Mary, would you pray for our time in the Word and worship? Heavenly Father, God, I, yes, I thank you, God, thank that you, you are our strength, you are our peace, and our comfort, Father. I thank you, God, that you have enabled us, Father, to have the privilege to come and to meet together, Lord. I pray, Father, that it would be honoring and pleasing to you, God. And for all that goes forth, that it would be truth, Father, lining up with your word, Lord, and that our hearts and our minds, Father, would be changed, and that we would be quick to repent and move forward, Lord, in Jesus' name. Oh, 
Coming soon. 
Well, Father, we thank you, Lord Jesus, for the hope that we find in you, Lord. We know that hope in you, Lord, will never disappoint us. Thank you, God, yet for another new day, Father, and the new mercies that are bestowed to us, Lord. And I pray, God, that as we gather and as we come, we open your word, Father, that we'd be attentive to the leading of your Holy Spirit. God, we're so grateful that you are faithful to complete that which you've begun in us, Lord. I pray, Father, that we would have a hunger and a thirst for righteousness, Lord. God, that we would walk upright in a crooked and perverse generation, and that, Father, we would go forth and bear your image, Father, loving and serving others, and boldly declaring the good news that you are the Son of God, the risen Savior. We would preach the gospel, that we would be effective laborers in your harvest field, Lord, and that you would find us faithful upon your return, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, the second R we're going to look at today, resolve. Three R's I gave us for this year, repentance, resolve, and to release. So to resolve is to decide firmly on a course of action and make up one's mind. And here are some scriptures I gave us. Philippians 4, verse 13, For I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Psalm 118, verse 6 through 8. The Lord is for me, so I will have no fear. What can mere people do to me? Yes, the Lord is for me. He will help me. I will look in triumph at those who hate me. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in people. 1 Corinthians 9, verse 24 through 25. Don't you realize that in a race, everyone runs, but only one person gets the prize. So run to win. All athletes are disciplined in their training. They do it to win a prize that will fade away. Uh, but we do it for an eternal prize. Galatians 5, verse 24 through 25. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of of our lives. And then finally, Romans 6, verse 11 through 12. So you also should consider yourself to be dead to the power of sin and alive to God through Christ Jesus. Do not let sin control the way you live. Do not give in to sinful desires. To resolve. To make up one's mind. To decide firmly on a course of action. And oh, how it's vital in the day and age in which we are living and the days that are fastly approaching that we as Christians make up our minds to live, to live for Christ. These three R's I want to encourage not only myself, but to encourage us and are vital to experience the full life that Christ has come to give us. He's raised us up, if you would, from the dead. We are born again. We're no longer slaves to sin. We're no longer um, 
bound to, to, to hell and, and, and to the, the enemy. No, we have been set free. We are to consider ourselves dead but alive in Christ. There is hope that we as the bride of Christ have and it's only found in Christ. And this is the hope in which we have to share with others. And oh, how I've been encouraging us and hoping that you all are out there sharing it with others. Because even though the world is getting darker and darker, I keep encouraging us, the church should be getting brighter and brighter. And if you're not experiencing that, then I want to encourage you, it's your choice not to burn bright. God is not withholding anything from us. No, we're withholding us from Him. So I want to encourage us to really face the fact that there are opportunities each and every single day for all of us to choose life, to live, to repent. As the Holy Spirit brings conviction to our hearts as He reveals those areas in our life that, that we have that sincere regret, that we have that remorse, that we don't have to keep, we don't have to waller in shame and condemnation. No, we repent, we, we turn from it. He gives us the strength that we need to walk according to the Spirit and not according to the flesh. The Bible says if you walk habitually in the Spirit, you won't gratify the desires of the flesh. And as we're repenting, that we would make up our minds, <laughs> that we would resolve, that, that we would be determined to wholly trust in Christ and all that He has accomplished, the good news that is found in Him. And there's such a resistance that's coming. There's always been a resistance. But as the days and the years and the time approaches to His return the resistance is going to grow even stronger to Christ, to the bride of Christ. The good news is we're still here. <laughs> There's work to be done. And people ought to see a difference in our lives. Not because of anything that we've done, but all because of what Christ has done and what he's doing in and through us. We have the hope of glory. We, we have the opportunity to go forth and to sow seeds of righteousness. We have the opportunity to go forth and, and to love and to serve others. We have an opportunity to live quiet lives, <laughs> minding our own business, <laughs> honoring Christ and all that we say and do, giving not in to our desires to gossip, to murmur, to complain, to fault find, to lust, to greed, to whatever. No, we have a right to choose life because of Christ and to experience the fullness. Even if our circumstances do not change, we're changed. And this is the hope that we have. This is the hope that we should be carrying. This is the hope that those who are still lost should be seen. And I love this from A.W. Tozer's I want Tozer I wanted to share this morning. It's called The Refiner's Fire. He writes, 10,000 enemies cannot stop a Christian. Cannot even slow him down. If he meets them in an attitude of complete trust in God, 
They will become to him like the atmosphere that resists the airplane. But which, because the plane's designer knew how to take advantage of that resistance, actually lifts the plane aloft and holds it there for a journey of 2,000 miles. What would have been an enemy to the plane becomes a helpful servant to aid it on its way. The main thing is this. We should never blame anyone or anything for our defeats. No matter how evil their intentions may be, they are altogether unable to harm us until we begin to blame them and use them as excuses for our unbelief. Then they become potent to do his injury. Nevertheless, we are to blame and not they. If this should be seen like a bit of theorizing, remember that always the greatest Christians have come out of hard times and tough situations. Tribulations actually worked for their spiritual perfection and that they taught them to trust not in themselves, but in the Lord who raised them from the dead. They learned that the enemy could not block their progress unless they surrendered to the urgings of the flesh and began to complain. And slowly they learned to stop complaining and start praising. It is that simple and it works. The Christian life, you all, it's not a humdrum, you know, uh, defeated life. No, this is a life that is found in Christ, the resurrected Christ. And as I keep sharing with us, he's not uh, the baby in the manger. He's not on the cross. He's not in the tomb. No, he's resurrected. This is the God who has completed all that he set out to do to redeem mankind. And now we're waiting for his return. And while we are waiting for his return, we are to make up our minds. We are to resolve to the understanding that we belong to him and no longer ourselves. That we're growing and that we're maturing. This is what I've been encouraging us. To grow, to mature as Christians. Allowing our roots to grow down deep. Because as the days get darker, as the resistance gets stronger, we should be able to stand. And if you're not standing, it's because of you. <laughs> it's because of you. It's because if I look at myself, it's me. I've given the enemy authority. I've given people authority. I've given my past authority. I've given my hurts and my wounds and my insecurities authority. And I'm serving all of that instead of serving the one who has called me out of it. And trusting him daily to give me the strength to persevere. Let's look at some scriptures that I want to share this morning. And hopes to encourage you to continue to persevere. Colossians is where we're going to spend just a few moments before we walk through the, the Bible. Colossians chapter 1 is where we're heading. <clears throat> Colossians 1, verse 3 through 6, and then verses 9 through 14. 
It reads here, We always pray for you, and we give thanks to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. For we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and your love for all of God's people, which come from, I'm sorry, which come from your confident hope of what God has reserved for you in heaven. You have had this expectation ever since you first heard the truth of God's word. The same good news that came to you is going out all over the world. It is bearing fruit everywhere by changing lives. Just as it changed your lives from the day you, heard, you first heard and understood the truth about God's wonderful grace. Oh, I was so encouraged by the scripture this week as I've been meditating through the book of Colossians and just encouraging myself and, 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 and the word to continue to persevere. And, and the scripture reminded me of the scripture in the gospel where Jesus talks about the condition of the world, how dark it's going to get. And as he concludes how horrible everything is going to get, he reminds us, but the good news will be preached throughout the earth. That nothing, no matter how dark it's going to get, nothing is going to stop what God has purposed and what God has planned. Here, Paul is reminding this church, he, he's commending this church for their love for one another, for their zeal, for their hope that they have in Christ. Oh, how I pray that, that we can be commended for that as well. And if not, then, then allow the Holy Spirit to do the work that He's supposed to do in your life. We've got to stop resisting Him. We've got to stop giving the enemy the upper hand to keep us down and defeated. This same good news, look what it says there, that came to you is going out all over the world. And this is what I love. It is bearing fruit everywhere. And how do you know that it's bearing fruit? By changing lives. Uh, just as it changed your lives from the day you first heard and understood the truth about God's wonderful grace. God's grace. <laughs> Verse 9, so we have not stopped praying for you since we first heard about you. We ask God to give you complete knowledge of his will and to give you spiritual wisdom and understanding. Then the way you live will always honor and please the Lord. And look at this, and your lives will produce every kind of good fruit. All the while you will grow as you learn to know God better and better. We also pray that you will be strengthened with all his glorious power so you will have all the endurance and patience you need. May you be filled with joy, always thanking the Father. He has enabled you to share in the inheritance that belongs to his people. And look at this who live in the light. For he has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son who purchased our freedom 
and forgave our sins. Oh, Christian, oh, how I hope you know Christ and the riches that are found in Christ. That, we're, that you're no longer allowing the temporalness of life to weigh you down. But you're finding the freedom that when the temporalness of life comes pressing in, when the enemy's breathing down your neck, that you know the hope that is found in Christ and that you can stand. Oh, I love it in Ephesians when it tells us, after you've done all you know to do, then stand. And stand therefore then. Do you understand? You know, and this is why I challenge myself each and every single day when, when trials come and when things come. Because listen, trials are coming. <laughs> Obstacles are going to be in your way. The enemy is going to be breathing down your neck. The world is going to come at you with a full force head on. And your flesh is just going to want to act ugly. But you are called <laughs> to abide in Christ. <laughs> oh, have you learned to abide in Christ? I mean, this is the reality. These are the questions in which we have to ask ourselves. Instead of beating ourselves up, oh, I'm a bad Christian. Oh, I can't do anything right. Oh, yada, yada, yada. We have to get our eyes off of ourselves. We have to get our eyes off of our past. We have to get our eyes off of our woundings, off of our insecurities, off of, off of all the temptations, everything that's coming around. And we have to fix our eyes on Jesus. <laughs> the author and the perfecter of our faith. Apart from him, we could do nothing. He has adopted us. He has engrafted us into his kingdom and to his family. We've been given the right to call him Abba. And as the scriptures have told us, and as we've read a few weeks ago, we cannot live out in the flesh what we have received in the spirit. And I believe that's the, that's the issue that's going on with many Christians is we're trying and we're trying and we're trying and we're trying and we're failing and we're failing and we're failing because we're still in control. No, no, if you were in control, if I was still in control, I would be back there. I would be feasting off of all that junk. I would remember all the abuse. I, would, I remember all the junk and everything that defined me. And I would be a mess. You would be a mess. But oh, when you understand the wealth and the riches, and I'm not talking about the financial part of life. I'm just talking about the stability in life. When Jesus says, I've come to give you peace, Peace I leave you. Peace I give to you. And that peace is nothing missing, nothing broken. Like, Rob, stop seeing yourself as someone broken. Because as you see yourself, so you're going to live. But to see yourself whole. But I don't feel whole, you may say. But Christ, but Christ gives you the hope of wholeness. So you have to determine, as I determined long ago, 
God, I don't want to settle. I don't want to settle for just the scraps. Like he bids us to come. Come and to dine with him. Oh, but I'm unworthy. You know, we do these weird things. I don't know if you do, but I've done it many seasons throughout many seasons of my life. Oh, but I'm unworthy. Oh, God. No, in and of myself, I'm not worthy, but in Christ I am. In Christ I am, and that's why I always challenge people. You know, yes, yes, yes. Are Christians going to sin? Yes. You know, 1 John says, I write to you that you, in hopes that you will not sin, but if you do, remember, Remember Christ. So when I say yes, I come to Christ. When, I, when you come to Christ and I come to Christ, oh, no, no, no. I'm not worthy of myself. I am a wretched sinner. I'm a horrible person in need of salvation. And praise be to God that God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever would believe in him shall not perish but have eternal life. God so loved me in the midst of, in the state of my rebellion that he came to save me. Because in and of myself, I am no good. But if I'm in Christ now, the goodness that I find and the worth that I find is because of Christ. And so I'm not going to continue to wallow around as the old man. No, I recognize now. It's all Him. And that's where in Psalm 23, as I've encouraged us throughout the years, you should read Psalm 23 and you should meditate upon it, you should know it, and it's a, it's a psalm to use in warfare, especially when, when you're feeling light just pressing in and the enemy's coming down your neck. And the mind that says, I prepare a table for you. In the presence of your enemy. That's always stood out to me. Because there have been many times in my life where I'm like, Daddy, get the enemy. Deal with the enemy. Like, fix this. Like, do something. Like, get him. He's coming. He's surrounding me. (laughs) Then he reminds me, Son, I've prepared a table. Come and dine. No, 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 it's not time to dine. Like, do something. I remember years ago when the Lord just taught me this lesson. It's like, I am doing something. Come sit at the table that I've prepared for you. You see, that table that is set is reminding the enemy who you belong to. He's not allowed at that table. You see, in Christ, you all, we have all the protection we need from what this life is going to throw at us. If we would just go to Christ, if we would just believe, if we would just return to our first love, if we would just start putting into practice what we know to be true, And this is what this church is is being reminded of. He goes on, and I'm going to read through verse 14. Actually, 15 through 23 now. He reminds them that Christ is supreme. 
Christ, verse 15, is the visible image of the invisible God. He existed before anything was created and is supreme over all creation. For through him, God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. He made the things we can see and the things we can't see, such as thrones, kingdoms, rulers, and authorities in the unseen world. (laughs) Everything was created through him and for him. He existed before anything else. I love this. And he holds all creation together. Christ is also the head of the church, which is his body. He is the beginning, supreme over all who rise from the dead. So he is first in everything. For God in all of his fullness was pleased to live in Christ. And through him, God reconciled everything to himself. Ah, He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. This includes you. And listen to this. Who were once far away from God. You were his enemies, separated from him by your evil thoughts and actions. Yet now he has reconciled you to himself through the death of Christ in his physical body. As a result, he has brought you into his own presence, and you are holy and blameless as you stand before him without a single fault. Do you realize that's how God sees you? Not because of you, but because of Christ. (laughs) Because of Christ. Because of the works of Christ through the cross, through the shedding of his blood. He took our punishment. He took the wrath that we so rightly deserve. But he stepped in. No greater love than this, that a man will lay down his life for his friends. He stepped in when you hated him. (laughs) He loved you. And nothing can separate you from his love. (laughs) Nothing can separate you from his love. Oh, but when you grasp what you have received because of Christ, uh, you can't keep living a life still in rebellion towards Him. Oh, we make excuses for our sin. We make excuses for our attitudes. We, We look at the world and we point our finger at them and look how evil they are. But in the reality, if we're still living in rebellion to Christ, yet claiming His name, we're more wicked. To say that we have fellowship with Christ and yet remain in fellowship with darkness, what kind of chaos is that? How confusing is that to the world who is lost, who is bound? The Christ then in which we say we're in relationship with, but yet we're still in rebellion towards, he's no Christ to them at all. Because they don't see the fruit. They don't see a transfer. There's nothing different. And listen to how Paul is reminding this church and reminding us 
But you must continue to believe this truth, he says in verse 23, and stand firmly in it. Don't drift away, oh my goodness, I love this word, from the assurance you received when you heard the good news. The good news has been preached all over the world. And I, Paul, have been appointed as God's servant to proclaim it. Hold on. (laughs) Continue to believe. Stand firmly. Don't drift away. And that's why I've been encouraging us for the past few years. Oh God, church, we have got to get rooted and grounded because the days are going to get so much crazier and darker. If you are feeling comfortable in this world, something is wrong. It's going to create, you just turn on the news. I'm, I'm looking at things. I'm going, how can we get this far? And then I'm quickly reminded, oh, it's going to get worse. But fan the flame, church. Seek Christ. Mature in Christ. Grow in Christ. Because this world is not our home. And when we see it getting crazier, when we see it getting like evil is rising rampantly like we've never seen before, don't fret. Press in. Because as I've been reminding us, you're here for a purpose. You're here for a reason. You were created to be the light in this darkness. As the days and the generation keeps growing more chaotic, you were purposed for such a time as this. Because the Word of God says that He's prepared good works for us to do. Those good works are all about advancing His kingdom. It's all about making Him known. So why do you think the enemy, the world, and the flesh is trying to hinder you every which way? (laughs) You get up one, you take a few steps forward, and then you knock 12 steps back. (laughs) You got to get up, and you got to keep pressing in. You got to get up, and you got to keep going through. And here's the key. Stop complaining. Stop murmuring. Stop fault-finding. Because again, as I read earlier, it's you. It's me. Like when I've gone see through my seasons of depression, when I've gone through my seasons of anxiety, of, of, of panic, of, of, of chaos, of, of whatever, and, 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 and I used to blame everyone and everything else, and poor, poor me, God. <laughs> and when the Holy Spirit really convicted me, and reminded me, how are you living? Like, as you think, Rob, so you go. And I had to be reminded way back when, when I, when I first came to Christ, and, and, and He revealed Himself to me, and the love, and, and the wholeness, and the peace that was there, why would I drift away from that? Why would you drift away from it? Oh, bring me back, Lord, to my first love. (laughs) And forgive me, Father, for allowing myself to be caught up again, (laughs) for drifting away, 
for seeking for something else or someone else to fulfill me. Ah, we gotta wake up. It's been the same as we're reading in the Old Testament, as we've seen through the New Testament, as we see throughout life. People are drawn to God. People accept Christ. And Paul's telling them, don't drift away. Like, stand firm. You see, you've got to remind yourself daily in whom you belong to. You have not because you've asked not. If everything else is defining you but Christ, something is wrong. Something is wrong. Because you're not going to be able to stand in the days as it gets more evil. Like, you realize what's coming on this earth. And it's not, it's not because, oh, that's a conspiracy theory or, oh, okay, that's just a bunch of baloney. No, no, no. Just look what's happening in the earth. And you go, oh, wow. Like, I keep reminding us, we can't do church like church has been done throughout the years because we've been lulled to sleep. <laughs> no, no. We've got to prepare for the days that are ahead. Not fretting, not worrying. Oh, it's getting dark. No, no, no. Let it get darker because that means he's coming even sooner. But we better be about our father's business. And oh, I pray that he will find us faithful. Like again, understanding who Christ is, understanding that he has purposed you for him and for himself. Today, you have breath in your body, you are purposed to go forth, if you're a Christian. If you're not a Christian, then I keep saying, I don't know why you're not. Like come to Christ, accept him, Receive this free gift of salvation. Be born again. <laughs> but if you are a Christian, like by God, you have work to do. And, and I said it last week, and I challenged people throughout the years. You want to know your relationship with Christ, how close you are, and, and how you're growing in Christ? Listen to what's coming out of your mouth. reveals your heart and then secondly get yourself a journal do a week if, if a week is too much then do a day uh, uh, because that'll reveal a lot and track your time what you're giving thought to what you're doing what you're taking in and at the end of the day at the end of the week where's Christ well I went to church <laughs> I sat there for two hours. Listen, you just coming for two hours on a Sunday isn't doing anything if that's all it is. Because you realize the forces that are against you? Uh, did you? Did you miss this? He made the things we can't see and the things we can't see, such as thrones, kingdoms, rulers, and authorities in the unseen world. 
You see, the Bible says we wrestle not with flesh and blood, with, with, but with principalities and rulers in the air of the darkness. You think you're wrestling just with yourself and your past and your wounds and your issues. Oh, no, no, that's just part of it. <laughs> you have the world that's coming at you, and you have these unseen rulers. You have Satan himself and his hordes of demons out to try to destroy the church, and we think just poop. I come to church on Sunday, I'm okay. Oh, no, we have been lulled asleep, church. We're not equipped for Christ in his kingdom. That's the reality. That's the condition of the church, at least in the West. We celebrate more in fellowship, in conferences, in worship events, and yet we have the least impact on the culture. Like something's wrong. Oh, we got to have eyes to see and ears to hear. Because we can't be friends with the culture. We can't be we can't be united and yoked with the world. No, no, no. We're to be united and yoked in Christ. Listen to this. Oh, that we would persevere. Go to chapter two of Colossians, verse six through fifteen. This new life in Christ. And now, just as you accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord, oh, look at this, you must continue to follow him. You see, you've got to make up your mind. This is that part of resolve. So many times we may just get stuck on repentance. But you, once you repent, you've got to make up your mind to get up and to go the opposite way. Go a different direction. You must continue to follow him. Remember the call of a disciple to deny yourself, to pick up your cross, and to follow him. Uh, let your roots grow down deep into him and let your lives be built on him. Then your faith will grow strong in the truth you were taught and you will overflow, look at this, with thankfulness. Oh, are you thankful today, you all? Don't let anyone capture you with empty philosophies and high-sounding nonsense that come from human thinking and from the spiritual powers of the world rather than from Christ. For in Christ, lives are the fullness of God. And I'm sorry, Christ lives all... I'm sorry, for in Christ lives all the fullness of God in a human body. So... You are also complete through your union with Christ, who is the head over every ruler and authority. When you came to Christ, you were circumcised, but not by a physical procedure. Christ performed a spiritual circumcision. The cutting away, oh my goodness, of your sinful nature. Would you circle that? Would you highlight that? Would you meditate upon that this week? Because, and I've been encouraging us, listen, you cannot learn your theology, your knowledge of God from the enemy. 
and from the people in the world are religious folk. I mean, have you really ever sat down and thought, what does this mean? Instead of just hearing a pastor preach on it or, you know, maybe you just read it and it's going, okay, whatever. But do you see what this is saying here? When you came to Christ, you were circumcised, but not by a physical procedure. Christ performed a spiritual circumcision, the cutting away of your sinful nature. For you were buried with Christ when you were baptized. And with him you were raised to a new life. Because you trusted the mighty power of God who raised Christ from the dead. Uh, You remember your confession and your belief that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and that he is risen from the dead. And because of that confession, because of that belief, this is how you're living now. Before you put your hands towards something, before you let something come out of your mouth, before you let all these thoughts rule and reign, before you just give in to everything and anything around you. No, 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 you go, wait a minute, wait a minute. I, that nature has been cut away. Doesn't mean it won't creep in and try. Oh, no, but it has been cut away. See, you've got to resolve, you've got to make up your mind. That when the Bible says that I have nailed that old man to his cross, that my desires for the world is finished and the world's desire for me is done. And I've got to be about my father's business. And I've got to be on guard. I've got to remain alert. I have an enemy that is roaming around seeking whom he may devour. I understand what scripture says and tells me that the flesh and the spirit, they are warring inside. Ah, They're not laying dormant. There is a war, not just around you, but within you. Ah, but I'll go to church. Oh, I read my little Bible, post my little scriptures, and somehow we think we're okay. Do you understand how we've been lulled asleep? The crazy thing is, is when you go out and you speak to people or you talk to people about Jesus, what's the first image? Or even just think of yourself if you've never done that. What's the first image you get? When someone starts talking about Jesus, ah, he's a horrible God. How can a loving God, you know, be so cruel? I mean, all of a sudden, all these attributes are thrown on Jesus, on God. You see the lie of the enemy? You see the lie from the flesh? You see the lie from the world? God's love trumps all of that foolishness that the enemy and the religious and the lost have tried to make him out to be. That's why you've got to know your God. That's why we're walking through the Bible. That's why when Paul tells him, the more that you know him, the more that you know him, the more that you grow in your relationship with him, oh, the more secure you're going to be, no matter what your failings may be. But you won't make a mockery of him. You know, there's a lot of people who just slap Jesus to their lives. Oh, yeah, I'm a Christian. I said a prayer. 
And they leave a complete rebellion towards Him. And yet somehow they think that they're safe. It's been the same issue from back here. As it is here, as it is until the day that He returns. People who have been lulled to sleep, not growing in Christ, having a form of religion, but denying His power to transform their life because they have not surrendered to Him. (laughs) And they're going to take their last breath. And He's going to say, depart from me. I never knew you. Oh, how I pray that would not be said to any of us. Not because he's a bad God. Not because he's a loving God. You see, I keep reminding us there's no error found in him. Oh, I used to have my accusations to throw at him. I lived many years of my life hating him. I lived many years of my life telling him, how dare you create me? And then you're going to hold me accountable for how I live? You're the fool, not me. I'm going to do how I want to do and live how I want to live. What kind of cosmic God does that? Puts me in the middle of a war. And somehow I'm supposed to come to Jesus. (laughs) Oh, I had a lot of accusations. I had a lot of questions. I had a lot of issues with him. (laughs) But oh, wretched man that I was. (laughs) Who did I think I was? Lost and rebellion towards him, it came so natural. And how sad that's the state each of us are born into in complete rebellion towards him. Ah, give us a little of him, but then we're going to take the little that we know of him and we're going to create him to how we want him to be. And do you not see the tactics of the enemy, of that rebellious nature that bought into the lie of the enemy? And God steps in, reveals himself to us because of his great love for us. And he says, come this way. Are you following him? Is he leading you? Are you trusting in Jesus? Oh, but you don't know my life. You don't know what I'm going through. I got all these problems. So does everyone else. (laughs) So does everyone else. Listen, we all have our sad stories. And I don't make light of it because I have my own sad story. But if that's all I'm sharing is my sad story, then that's how I'm living. And I am doing an injustice to his kingdom. I'm making a mockery of his throne. Oh, see, we got to mature, people. We got to mature as the, as, as the church. Like, I've been studying and reading through, like, the early church, and I see how they're living and how they're fellowshipping and how it's a community. And I say, God, that's missing. What is going on? Uh, the enemy is running amok. God has to calm my heart down and say, Robert, you're focusing on the enemy. <laughs> like, focus on me. I told you in the last days, this is what's going to happen. So stop being surprised. Son, come, come, come. There's work to be done. See, you got to be as innocent as a dove and wise as a serpent as you're going through the days. If you've given your life to Christ, (laughs) remain in him. 
abide in him, hope in him, trust in him, honor him, know him. I'm telling you, you should be able to preach yourself happy. You know, the other day, Wednesday, I was driving home. And I tell you, the first thing that came to mind is like, I don't want to do this anymore. Oh, God, I'm done. You know, I had all this. It was just an attack out of left field. And I said, oh, wait a minute. This is familiar to me. I see what's at work here. Now, I could have thought about my day and thought about this and thought about that and thought about, oh, dear God. I'm going to end up homeless on the streets. I, I could end up in prison because I, I share truth. Like, God, I, I'm not sure. <laughs> I'm not sure, God. Like, God, God, this is crazy. Like this, And it, sometimes it just doesn't make sense. And there's a, there's a part, I don't know about you, but there's a part of me way down deep that says, just run, 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 run. <laughs> and I go, oh, no. I'm equipped for today. I'm called for today. Things are going to get crazier. Things are going to get crazier. Within a few years, if not a few weeks, churches will have to choose. Are they about the Father's kingdom? Or are they about the government? Christians are going to have to choose. Am I following the culture or am I following the kingdom? Christians are going to be end up losing their jobs, their livelihoods in the West. And we're going to be pushed out of society to silence us. You say, oh, that's extreme. Oh, you better see what's happening. Because we've been talking about this for years. At least this little fellowship. And I've been encouraging us to grow. And to get rooted down because the time is now. We haven't prepared here, but the time is now. Do you not see what's going on? And we're afraid to even stand or to say or to post or whatever because God forbid they'll cancel us. And this, and these are the days that are upon us. I mean, for goodness sakes, Big-time ministers, preachers have a huge platform. They're turning away from the truth. They're caving in to pressure just to save their hide, save their ministry, keep the funding going, keep the building, and yet they're forsaking Christ. Like they're forsaking Christ. I'm just encouraging us. Like it's not, it can't be kumbaya. We're all just standing around saying, "Oh, I go to church." No, this has got to be to the very depths of your being, who you are. You don't belong to the world. You belong to Christ. And just my testimony alone. If I went out and I began to share it, which I will and I have, but there'll be a come. A, there's a day a coming if it's not here now that they will lock me up for hate speech. If that bill passes, that's heading to the Senate, 
And I go, oh, Jesus. But am I serving man? Or am I serving God? Are you serving man? Or are you serving God? And so, oh, how I pray when you show up on Sundays, when you turn up the, piece, uh, the laptop or wherever you're watching on Sundays, that it's just not, I'm going to church. I've done my church. And then you just go about your day. You go about your week. Collapsing constantly because life is just throwing everything at you. If that has been you, then be encouraged today to get up, get discipled, and get persevering. <laughs> Keep choosing Jesus. Keep trusting in Jesus. Because this world is not our home. <laughs> Like he's returning. He's coming. And this is what Paul is reminding them of. So this new life in Christ. Verse 13. I don't know if I've read it, but I'm going to read it again. You were dead because of your sins and because your sinful nature was not yet cut away. Oh, I remember what I was saying earlier. Like, if you haven't sat on this scripture, if you haven't really grasped this understanding, would you just please go from verse 12, 11 through 15, just meditate upon it, ask the Holy Spirit, call someone that, that has some type of understanding to the Word of God, and get your understanding of this, because listen, you were dead because of your sins, and because of your sinful nature was not yet cut away. Then God made you alive with Christ, for he forgave all of your sins. He canceled the record of the charges against us and took it away by nailing it on the cross. Oh, you should see the cross for what it is. And this way he, oh Jesus, dismantled the spiritual rulers and authorities. He shamed them publicly by his victory over them on the cross. Oh, are you warfaring? Oh, I had to remind the enemy Wednesday. You've been publicly shamed. You've been stripped. My God. Come on. Not because of anything of myself. Not because of anything of yourself, but because of Christ. He did the circumcision within your life. He cut away that old nature, that rebellious nature. He forgave you of all your sins. Like, you're a new creation. You're a new creation. If you're in Christ, you're a new creation. Like when I think upon eternity, and I think, oh God, strengthen us to be able to endure what's coming and hopes of what is ultimately to come. To anything that the world or the systems of this world or the rulers and the thrones or could try to throw at us or to crush us down. No, 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 no. Our hope in Christ trumps all of that. 
because there's a kingdom waiting. Like Jesus says, I'm going away and I'm preparing. I'm coming back. I'm coming back and there's going to be a day when we're called up with him. If you're in Christ, this is the hope that you have to endure. And this is the hope that I, when, I, when I'm reading about the early church or, and then I started reading about Christians throughout the ages and, and how they were martyred and just different impacts that they had on their life and, and on lives around them, I go, oh God, <laughs> prepare us yet again. Send forth such a great revival and an awakening within the a body of Christ throughout the earth that we will stand and that we will push back Knowing that ultimately it'll cost us, but in the end it'll be so worth it because your kingdom went forth. Oh, we got to be kingdom minded. Colossians 3, verse 1 through 17, living the new life. So, since you have been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven. Where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Think about the the things of heaven, not the things of earth. For you died to this life, and your real life is hidden in Christ. I'm sorry, with Christ and God. And when Christ, who is your life, is revealed to the whole world, you will share in all of his glory. So then, with this knowledge... Put to death the sinful, earthly things lurking within you. Have nothing to do with sexual immorality, impurity, lust, and evil desires. Do not be greedy, for a greedy person is an idolater, worshiping the things of this world. Because of these sins, the anger of God is coming. You used to do these things when your life was still part of this world. Oh, would you circle that? Would you highlight that? Would you put that in front of you this week? You used to do these things when your life was still part of the world. But now it is time to get rid of anger, rage, malicious behavior, slander, and dirty language. Don't lie to each other, for you have stripped off your old sinful nature and all of its wicked deeds. Put on your new nature and be renewed as you learn to know your creator and become like him. In this new life, it doesn't matter if you are Jew or Gentile, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbaric, uncivilized, slave or free. Christ is all that matters and he lives in all of us. It's not about your status, your position, your background, nothing. It's all about Christ. It's all about Christ. Since God chose you to be the holy people he loves, you must clothe yourself, oh, listen to this, with tender-hearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. And some of us hear that and I go, oh, You don't know my life. You don't know what's going on around me. (laughs) And I'm telling you, you must clothe yourself because this is what the Bible says. No, but God understands my circumstance. He knows why I have a bad attitude. 
And see, we make excuses, we make excuses, we make excuses, we make excuses, and then we justify the sinful behavior And we stiff-arm God and say, yeah, I like you on some case, but today I've got this. I'll handle this part of my life. And God is going, it's all of me or none of me. Like, listen to what he's saying here. And then there's some that sit in the church and they say, well, well, listen, you're reading too much into the scripture. Like, this can't be lived out. Like, isn't that crazy to hear Christians, pastors, Christian counselors, share that with people? (laughs) Then you say, well, I'm not always going to be perfect. Well, no one's calling you to perfection. Uh, You're being called to maturity. You're not going to be perfected until you're with Him. But your excuse is to remain ugly is not pleasing to God. In fact, you're acting like his enemy. Do you understand what Jesus endured? And we're going to get to that today. Like uh, The created beat the creator. They tore his body apart. They nailed him to the cross because they didn't want him in control. But ultimately, it was God's plan. He laid his life down. He took that beating. He took it. So you know what? Suck it up. Get up and get through life honoring Christ. Again, we all have a sad story to tell. We all are going through trials today, and they'll be worse tomorrow. Christ is on the throne. So either you're focused on the temporal or are you focused on the eternal. This world is not my home. Strip it all away, take it all away. God, I want to be clinging to Christ. And do you realize that's how the church and the other areas of the world, that's how they're learning and growing? I mean, I keep telling you all this. I mean, there was people who got up today, little families got up today, little Johnny, little Mary, parents came around. Like, we're going to worship Jesus today. But we may not make it back. Little Johnny, they may take you and beat you. Limb by limb, tear you apart. But love Jesus. Cling to Jesus. Husbands, wives, giving each other potentially the last kiss, the last hand held. Let's go and worship God today. And they stand in these underground rooms or out in the fields, wherever they can, just to be a part of community, of fellowship, and to worship God knowing good and well, they could be dragged out and beaten. And I go, oh God, they inspire me. 
because you flip it over here on the west and oh, oh. it's like what the heck is going on and I said this last week like the Christian community is so vital and if you're not loving the community, and I know it probably upset people or irritated people, but the reality is if you're not loving community, you're not understanding what it is to love God. Do you know how much Jesus loves his bride? Do you understand the purpose and the community of the church? Not just to go to a house or to a building like, oh, okay, I showed up. No, but the understanding of what you have been engrafted into and how you play a significant part of the body of Christ and how you must be fully engaged and a healthy member of the body of Christ in order for us to accomplish what Christ has called us to do in our community, in our state, in our nation, and throughout the earth. I mean, I can only imagine if they all of the family members made it back home after service. Like, wow, what a victory. Let's pray, let's prepare. And they sit down, they're studying. Even Some of them don't even have the full Bible. They just have little scriptures. And yet it's sustaining them because of their belief and their confession. They've raised them kids up. They, they have a structure in their family. They know. And then there's some where the kids turn them in. Because the kids get out in the culture. <laughs> and they say, hey, my mom and my daddy, they talk about that stuff. They worship that God. And the authorities go right in. <laughs> and we just want to play church. We gotta get up. We gotta wake up. We gotta wake up. We gotta wake up. We gotta wake up. Since God chose you to be holy, verse 12, people he loves, you must clothe yourself. I know I read this, I'm reading it again. With tenderhearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Oh, but you don't know what they did to me. Listen, it doesn't matter. Get over yourself. Huh. Above all, clothe yourself with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony. And let the peace that comes from Christ's rule in your hearts, for as members of one body, you were called to live, look at this, in peace. And always keep seeing this phrase today, be thankful. Let the message about Christ in all of its richness Fill your lives. Teach and counsel each other with all the wisdom he gives. Sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to God with thankful hearts. And whatever you do or say, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. This is the life in which we're called to live. And finally, I just want to show you these verses in chapter 4, verse 2 through 6, this encouragement for prayer. Devote yourselves to prayer with an alert mind and a thankful heart. Pray for us, too, that God will give us many opportunities to speak about his mysterious plan concerning Christ. That is why I am here in chains. 
Pray that I will proclaim his message as clearly as I should. Live wisely among those who are not believers. And make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be gracious and attractive so that you will have the right response for everyone. Did you catch where he's writing this letter from? Prison. In fact, the majority of the letters that he wrote, Paul was in prison. And listen to the encouragement that he's giving to others. Oh, that we would see Christ for who he is and that we would live for him. That we would honor him. That we would encourage others. And we would share the good news. And listen again, I don't make light of, of abuse, or past hurts, any of that. I don't make light of it because they leave a mark on us. I mean, you're looking at someone who was abused since he high. <laughs> but if that's all I looked at, that broken boy, that broken teenager, that broken man, then that's how I'll live. That's broken. I didn't, I didn't fix myself. I'm not perfect. My past at times screams at me. Sometimes I feel the like, oh, why did that have to happen to me? Sometimes I think of the young man that sat here who was brutally raped over and over and over and over and over again in his Sunday school class. And he looked at me and says, where was God? And having to encourage him. life throws us junk and we can't make sense of all the craziness oh but the hope that is found in Christ I can't fix anything that was done to me nor can you but let me tell you something you hold on to the unforgiveness, the resentment, the hurt, and everything that you have allowed it to define you as, then that's how you'll live, and you will resist God. But when you get a good, clear picture of who He is, and the love that He has for you, and the wholeness and the healing that is found in Him, once you receive him, you won't trade him for what's out there. And you surely will not allow what's back there to trump him. Because all that can try to dredge up all of it all at once. But when I look at the cross, when I see my Savior, when I think of what he endured for me, and the hope that I found in him to live a full life, not a perfect life, but a full life, I'm telling you all, there's nothing like it. Like everything is in motion, everything is in play for what God has ordained since he spoke. Like 
everything's in play. So you're either for him, with him, or you're against him. Either you're known by him, or you're not. And oh, how I pray that you're known by him. Go to Judges. You say, oh, but you did, you did all, all your preaching already. No, that was just the appetizer. <laughs> Those were scriptures to hope, hopefully encourage you to persevere. Oh, we've got just some more to go through. I'm not going to keep you here all day, but go to Judges chapter 7. We're going to read chapter 7, and then we're going to go through chapter 8, but only to verse 17 in chapter 8 today. Oh, we picked up last week, and we met Gideon. And before we even get back to Gideon, let's just think about the Israelites. You see, they are now in the promised land. You remember this land that was promised way back here to their forefathers? God delivered. God was faithful. God got them there. God gave them a bountiful land. They didn't have to toil the soil. They didn't have to build the structures. Everything they needed to exist was there. But if you opened, if you missed last week, I would encourage you to go listen to to the podcast. But if you remember, now all of a sudden, they're hiding in caves. The Midianites, these group of of, of crazy people are now flooding in and, and they describe, the Bible describes them like locusts. And they would come in and devour their land. They would strip them of everything. And they were starving. God's people. All because God wasn't enough. And I keep warning us. If you see areas in your life that you know are, are chaotic in your life and events or things are taking place, yada, 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 and you're looking at things, <laughs> if God is not enough for you, then all of that will become your God. It will lord over you. It will strip you bare. And you see, when I look at these areas of my life that are bare, that aren't productive, I go, oh, God, ah, forgive me. Because I'm living with a mindset in this area that you're not enough. But God, I want you to be enough. So help me, teach me, correct me, discipline me. Search my heart. See if there's any wicked way within me. Test me, try me, God. You see, this is just the reality. This is just the relationship that you have with God. But you don't want to remain where everything is barren in your life. <laughs> but yet, they cried out to God. And God raised up Gideon. And do you remember the encounter with the angel of the Lord and Gideon? Gideon is threshing wheat, but he's hiding doing it. And the angel of the Lord calls him a mighty warrior. A mighty hero. Gideon? He's hiding. In fact, Gideon himself says, Who, me? Like, I'm the weakest of the weak. In fact, my family is the weakest of the family. We got the problems. And you're calling me? And do you remember he has this interaction? And I encouraged us last week. Oh, it's so easy to get trapped in the mindset. That you're nothing. Your family dynamics. How can God use me? You see, God sees beyond all of that. 
And he knows what he's created you for. Remember, he's created good works for you to do for him. You you are purposed. You're not a mistake. And Gideon had this encounter. And you remember when he had this encounter, when he was faced with truth, he worshipped. His worship was acceptable. It was received. And then little old Gideon, the weakest of the weak from the weakest of the clan, calls forth the nation to fight. And then if you remember, God tells him, it will be as if you're fighting just one man. But we are talking, the, the Israelites, they had to, or these, these tribes that he was able to call, they had to rise up and take on an army that is far numerous than them. They were vicious. And yet, Gideon rises up. All right, so chapter 7. So Jubabal, that, that is Gideon. Oh, because we forget that they renamed Gideon that because he tore down the, 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 the altar to Baal. And remember, the people, the Israelites in that town, they wanted to kill him. These people should have been worshiping God, and yet they've entered mingled, they've entered married. Now they're worshiping Baal. God, they have forsaken God. Gideon comes in, tears it down. Remember, they wanted to kill him, and his father said, no, no, that Baal defend Baal. So, in case you're wondering why they called Gideon that, that's the name they gave him. And his army got up early and went as far as the spring of Herod. The armies of Midian were camped north of them in the valley near the hill of Morah. The Lord said to Gideon, you have too many warriors with you. If I let you all, if I let all of you fight the Midianites, the Israelites will boast to me that they saved themselves by their own strength. Therefore, tell the people, whoever is timid or afraid may leave this mountain and go home. So 22,000 of them went home, leaving only 10,000 who were willing to fight. But the Lord told Gideon, there are still too many. Bring them down to the spring, and I will test them to determine who will go with you and who will not. When Gideon took the warriors down to the water, the Lord told him, divide the men into two groups. And one group put all those who cup water in their hands and lap it up with their tongues like dogs. And the other group put all those who kneel down and drink with their mouths in the stream. Only 300 of the men drank from their hands. All the others got down on their knees and drank with their mouths in the stream. The Lord told Gideon, with these 300 men, I will rescue you and give you victory over the Midianites. Send all the others home. So Gideon collected the provisions and ram's horns of the other warriors and sent them home. But he kept the 300 men with him. The Midianite camp was in the valley just below Gideon. That night the Lord said, get up, go down to the Midianite camp, for I have given you victory over them. But if you are free to attack, go down to the camp with your servant, Pharaoh. Listen to what the Midianites are saying, and you will be greatly encouraged. Then you will, then you will be eager to attack. So Gideon took Pura and went down to the edge of the enemy camp. 
The armies of the Midian, Amalek, and the people of the east had settled in the valley like a swarm of locusts. Their camels were like grains of sand. Look at this on the seashore. Too many to count. Gideon crept up just as a man was telling his companion about a dream. The man said, I had this dream. And in my dream, a loaf of barley bread came tumbling down into the Midianite camp. It hit a tent, turned it over, and knocked it flat. His companion answered, Your dream can mean only one thing. God has given Gideon, son of Joash, the Israelite, victory over Midian and all of its allies. When Gideon heard the dream and its interpretation, he bowed and worshipped before the Lord. Then he returned to the Israelite camp and shouted, Get up! For the Lord has given you victory over the Midianite hordes. He divided the 300 men into three groups and gave each man a ram's horn and a clay jar with a torch in it. Then he said to them, Keep your eyes on me. When I come to the edge of the camp, Just do just as I do. As soon as, <clears throat> as I and those with me blow the ram horns, blow your horns too, all around the enemy camp and shout for the Lord and for Gideon. It was just after midnight, after the changing of the guard, when Gideon and the hundred men with him reached the edge of the Midianite camp. Suddenly, they blew the ram's horns and broke their clay jars. Then all three groups blew their horns and broke their jars. They held the blazing torches in their left hands and the horns in their right hands, and they all shouted, A sword for the Lord and for Gideon. Each man stood at his position around the camp and watched all the Midianites rush around in panic, shouting as they ran to escape. When the 300 Israelites blew their ram's horn, the Lord caused the warriors in the camp to fight against each other with their swords. Those who were not killed fled to places as far away as Beth, that town near Zira, and to the border of Abel Mahola near Tada. Then Gideon sent for the warriors from the Thali, Asher, and Manassas, who joined in chasing the armies of, of Midian. Gideon also sent messengers through the hill country of Ephraim, saying, Come down to attack the Midianites. Cut them off at the shallow crossing of the Jordan River at Beth Bara. So all the men of Ephraim did as they were told. They captured Oreb and Zeb, the two Midianite commanders, killing Oreb at the rock of Orbeb and Zeb at the winepress of Zeb. And they continued to chase the Midianites. Afterward, the Israelites brought the heads of Oreb and Zeb to Gideon, who was by the river Jordan. Wow, praise God. Do we not see our God? Oh, we make him so small. <laughs> we make him so weak. <laughs> and I've encouraged us throughout the years, we've got to stop making the enemy bigger than our God. Do you know your God? Do you know that he is for you? He's not against you. Do you know that he wants to call you forth and to strengthen you and send you out? <laughs> To do his will. Oh, but I'm not equipped. <laughs> it's because you're looking at yourself. You're not equipped. I'm not equipped. But he is. He is.
he's calling us to something great, you all. We're people living for as long as we have life in these bodies over these next days and years. We're called to be the people of God, to prepare for his coming, to equip other believers, to encourage, to edify, and to build up, to learn to do life together, to learn to go forth and to love and to serve and, and, and to share the good news with the lost. Gideon. God raised him up. And God took 300 men in Gideon to defeat an army that had camels. Thousands of them. Too numerous to count. And it was God who turned the enemy against each other. And then it was Gideon, as God was directing him, leading him to destroy the rest of the ones that took off running. Like sometimes you just got to get everything out of your life that doesn't belong there. Remember when they entered into the promised land, God told them what to do. They refused to do it. So God said, okay, these people will be a thorn in your side. God kept reminding them, stop going to them. Stop worshiping their God. Stop intermingling with them. You're to be set apart. And so it is with the church today. Remember we read that all of this in the Old Testament is captured for us to prepare us and to equip the people that will live at the end times. That's what the Bible says. Listen, God hasn't changed his mind. The difference is, is Jesus has come. And we can't keep living like the Israelites lived. No, we're the church. We're the bride of Christ. We're the body of Christ. He is our head. We are submitted to Christ. We are to be obeying Christ. For goodness sakes, he says, I have to go away so that you would so that he will come, the Holy Spirit, God in us. And then the Bible says, do not live a life that grieves him. Like God in us. And the scripture where it tells us he's given us everything we need to live a godly life. So we are without excuse. If you're not experiencing the fullness of God in your life, the power of God in your life, it is because you are choosing to neglect and to resist him. That's why I said, journal your day, journal your week. Ah, but don't beat yourself up if you see where is Christ. (laughs) No, that should be like, okay, wait a minute. God, look what I've done. Teach me. Show me. Now give me that hunger and a thirst for righteousness. I want to live upright among the crooked and the wicked and perverse. I want to be that light and darkness. I want to point others to you, Lord. Send me forth and help me to trust and believe. What a beautiful picture of of the faithfulness of God and the obedience of a man who was the weakest of the weak. 
chapter 8. Then the people of Ephraim asked Gideon, Why have you treated us this way? Why didn't you send for us when you first went out to fight the Midianites? And they argued heatedly with Gideon. But Gideon replied, What have I accomplished compared to you? Aren't even the leftover grapes of Ephraim's harvest better than the entire crop of my little clan of Abizur? God gave you victory over Oreb and Zeb, the commanders of the Midianite army. What have I accomplished compared to that? When the men of Ephraim heard Gideon's answer, their anger subsided. Gideon then crossed the Jordan River with his 300 men, and though exhausted, please highlight that, circle that, they continued to chase the enemy. Listen, in warfare, oh, sometimes... <laughs> you got to press through you all, no matter how exhausted you are. No matter how exhausted you are. Press through. Persevere. When they reached Succoth, Gideon asked the leaders of the town, Please get my warriors some food. They are very tired, and I'm chasing Zeba and this other guy, the kings of Midian. The officials of Succoth replied, Catch them first, and then we will feed your army. So Gideon said, after the Lord gives me victory over them, I will return and tear your flesh with thorns and briars from the wilderness. From there, Gideon went up to Peniel and asked, asked for food, but he got the same answer. So he said to the people of this area, after I return in victory, I will tear down this tower. By this time, these two kings were in at that area, with about 15,000 warriors, all that remained of the allied armies of the east, for 120,000 had already been killed. What a bloodbath. Gideon circled around by the caravan route east of Norbab in this other area, taking the Midianite army by surprise. And these two kings fled, but Gideon chased them down and captured all their warriors. After this, Gideon returned from the battle by the way of Harris Pass. Then there he captured a young man from Sukkoth and demanded that he write down the names of all the 77 officials and, the, and elders in the town. Gideon then returned to Sukkoth and said to the leaders, Here are these kings. When we were here before, you taunted me, saying, Catch them first, and then we will feed your exhausted army. Then Gideon took the elders of the town and taught them a lesson punishing them with thorns and briars from the wilderness. He also tore down the tower of Peniel and killed all the men in the town. So we're ending today with our lesson on Gideon. The faithfulness of God, you all. God, we keep seeing these cycles and judges. The people sin, they cry out, God raises up a judge, God delivers them, and they fall right back. The same pattern, same routine. But praise be to God that God raised up Jesus from the tomb. He's our ultimate deliverer. He has defeated the enemy. He has given us the victory. And oh, how we should be celebrating that daily. Go to Luke chapter 22. Luke 22, 
Luke 23, verse 13 through 43. I'm not sure if I said it right, but that's where we're at. Luke 23, verse 13 through 43. Then Pilate called together the leading priests and the religious leaders along with the people. And he announced his verdict. You brought this man to me, accusing him of leading a revolt. I have examined him thoroughly on this point in your presence and find him innocent. Herod came to the same conclusion and sent him back to us. Nothing this man has done calls for the death penalty. So I will have him flogged and then I will release him. Then a mighty roar rose from the crowd and with one voice they shouted, Kill him and release Barabbas to us. Now, Barabbas was in prison for taking part of an insurrection in Jerusalem against the government and for murder. Pilate argued with them because he wanted to release Jesus, but they kept shouting, crucify him, crucify him. For the third time, he demanded, why? What crime has he committed? I have found no reason to sentence him to death, so I will have him flogged and then I will release him. But the crowd shouted louder and louder, demanding that Jesus be crucified, and their voices prevailed. So Pilate sentenced Jesus to die as they demanded, as they had requested. He released Barabbas, the man in, I'm sorry, the man in prison for insurrection and murder. But he turned Jesus over to them to do, look at this. As they wish. And we're going to verse 43. As they led Jesus away, a man named Simon, who was from Serene, happened to be coming in from the countryside. The soldiers seized him and put the cross on him and made him carry it behind Jesus. A large crowd trailed behind, including many grief stricken women. Don't miss out on this. <laughs> But Jesus turned and said to them, Daughters of Jerusalem, don't weep for me, but weep for yourselves and for your children. For the days are coming when they will say, Fortunate indeed are the women who are childless, the wombs that have now borne a child and the breasts that have never nursed. People will beg mountains, fall on us, and plead with the hills, bury us. For if these things are done when the tree is green, what will happen when it's dry? He sees these women weeping. <laughs> he knew where he was going. And he knew what was coming and what is still to come. The condition of this earth, you all, the level everything you can possibly even imagine. The Bible says it's going to get worse than the days of Noah. The level of the occult, the level of perversion, the level of anger, murder, strife, you name it. It's all building up. And as we read last week, when the Antichrist is just setting the stage for him to step out. Oh, but praise be to God, if you remember scripture last week, that is when Jesus is going to slay him. Ha-ha! Like, listen, God, I hope you know that you're on the right side if you're in Christ. God, I hope you're building, you're building up your faith each and every single day instead of just going 
<laughs> through life. How, if you can't stand with the little things that are bombarding you, how are you going to stand? If Christ is not who you're clinging to, don't wait for me, he says. <laughs> wait for yourself. Like he knows what's coming to the earth. Two others, both criminals, were led out to be executed with him. When they came to the place called the skull, they nailed him to the cross. And the criminals were also crucified, one on his right and one on his left. And Jesus said, oh, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they are doing. He looks out. He sees the lost. Creation in complete rebellion towards him. Forgive them. Do you see the love and the compassion? And yet we want to harbor ill will to those who have wounded us. Like, if you need that work of forgiveness in you, seek it. Because he will give it to you. He will give it to you. Forgiveness is powerful, you all. It frees you. There's a newness that comes forth in your life when you freely choose to forgive. And the soldiers gambled for his clothes by throwing dice. The crowd watched, and the leaders scoffed. He saved others, they said. That didn't save himself if he's really God's Messiah, the chosen one. The soldiers mocked him, too, by offering him a drink of sour wine. They called out to him, If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. A sign was fastened above him with these words, This is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals hanging beside him scoffed, So you're the Messiah? So, so you're the Messiah, are you? Prove it by saving yourself and save us too while you're at it. <laughs> but the other criminal protested. Don't you fear God even when you have been sentenced to die? We deserve to die for our crimes. But this man hasn't done anything wrong. <laughs> then he said, <laughs> then he said, Jesus, Remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus replied, I assure you today, you will be with me in paradise. Oh man, what a beautiful scene, yet what a horrific scene. Even as he's bearing the weight of the wrath of God. And the punishment that you deserved and I deserved. Father, forgive them. He responds to a criminal who believes. Right up to his dying breath, he turns to Jesus. Remember me. He didn't have an opportunity to live for Jesus. But what he had was the opportunity to believe. Remember me. And Jesus says, today, today, you will be with me in paradise. Oh, take comfort in those words, you all. 
no matter who you are or where you've been, take comfort in the words of Jesus. There's so much more than just going to church. No, if you are a Christian, if you are in Christ, be the church, be the bride, live preparing for your groom. Go to Psalm six. I mean Psalm ninety-seven and ninety-eight. Oh, that we would know our God. Like, oh, I hope that you're getting into the book of Psalms and you're meditating upon it. Because listen again, if you're not developing that discipline, you're just being run ragged. You've got to develop discipline and devotion. You've got to be discipled. You've got to grow. You've got to mature. These psalmists knew their God. No matter what they faced, no matter what they were enduring, they knew God was greater. The Lord is king. Let the earth rejoice. Let the farthest coastlands be glad. Dark clouds surround him. Righteousness and justice are the foundation of his throne. Fire spreads ahead of him and burns up all of his foes. His lightning flashes out across the world. The earth sees and trembles. The mountains melt like wax before the Lord. I'm sorry, before the Lord. Before the Lord, all the earth, the heavens proclaim his righteousness. Every nation sees his glory. Those who worship idols are disgraced. All who brag about their worthless gods, for every god must bow to him. Jerusalem has heard and rejoiced. And all the towns of Judah are glad because of your justice, O Lord. For you, O Lord, are supreme over all the earth. You are exalted far above all gods. You who love the Lord hate evil. He protects the lives of his godly people and rescues them from the power of the wicked. Light shines on the godly and joy on those whose hearts are right. May all who are godly rejoice in the Lord and praise his holy name. Psalm 98. Sing a new song to the Lord, for he has done wonderful deeds. His right hand has won a mighty victory. His holy arm has shown his saving power. The Lord has announced his victory and has revealed his righteousness to every nation. He has remembered his promise to love and be faithful to Israel. To the ends of the earth have seen, I'm sorry, to the ends of the earth have seen the victory of our God. Shout to the Lord, all the earth. Break out in praise and sing for joy. Sing your praise to the Lord with the harp and with the, and with the harp and melody of this song. With trumpets and the sound of the ram's horn, make a joyful symphony before the Lord the King. Let the sea and everything in it shout his praise. Let the earth and all living things join in. Let the rivers clap their hands in glee. Let the hills sing out their songs of joy before the Lord. For he is coming to judge the earth. He will judge the world with justice and the nations with fairness. Oh my goodness, and that's not enough to encourage you to draw close to Jesus and to know your God. Oh, he's great, you all. Go to Proverbs, two nuggets of wisdom, Proverbs 14, verse 7 and 8. Proverbs 14, verse 
7 and 8. <clears throat> oh, take this for your week. <laughs> Stay away from fools, for you won't find knowledge on their lips. The prudent understand where they are going, but fools deceive themselves. Stay away from fools. And remember, a fool is one who says in their heart that there is no God. So who are you getting counsel from? Who are you listening to? Who are you just sitting and just knitting with each other? Oh, I pray that it's not with a fool. Because no knowledge will be found there. Nothing a fool could encourage you in will help you draw closer to Jesus. I'm going to close this with this last song, and then I'll close this in prayer.
Yeah.